Welcome to the Rebel Speaker Podcast, where we break the tried and true presentation rules so that you can create a speech that stands out, makes an impact, and positions you as the go-to expert. And now your host, the instigator of the presentation rebellion, Dr. Michelle Mazur. Stand out or don't bother. This quotation from Sally Hogshead has always bothered me a lot. And although I believe 1000% that standing out is critical to having a successful speaking business that makes a difference in the world, standing out is a process. You have to find that message that rises above the noise. Lucky for us, our guest today on The Rebel Speaker is Mark Ensign, and he's a role model for how to make an impact with your message and how to rise above all the noise that is out there. Mark is on a mission to help you save the world by getting your message to a bigger audience so you can make an even bigger difference. Through branding, marketing, and positioning, his company Loudmouse builds your platform to increase your authority and grow your business. As a speaker, Mark has shared the stage with the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk, Chris Brogan, Brene Brown, Simon Sinek, who's my imaginary boyfriend, and Chelsea Clinton. As you'll find out in a moment, Mark encourages others to be a dick. Mark, welcome to the Rebel Speaker. Thank you. I, I love being introduced <laughs> as being a dick. <laughs> well, you know, it was one of the messages that right. you've gotten known for. Right. So what I'd love to start with, the word authenticity gets thrown around a lot to a point where it's almost meaningless. But I believe it's still really important in speaking and marketing and life. As a speaker, what does authenticity mean to you? I think the reason that it's kind of beaten up to the point where it doesn't mean anything is because it's almost like become a fake authenticity. People create authenticity, which is not authentic, which is really kind of bizarre. <laughs> authenticity is, to me, it's being brutally honest, like to the point where being willing to stand naked in front of the whole room, if that's what it takes to get your message across. You know, we've all heard the speaker get up and rattle on and on for 45 minutes how I made my first million when I was still a fetus and, you know, and they, and they kind of go through this thing where they've never experienced anything complicated or difficult when you can stand up in front of a room and really be authentic about where, who you are, where you came from, what you're struggling with, and tell people the real story, like the ugly stuff, the stuff that nobody else is willing to say, it brings a new level of connection with the audience because we've all been there. We all go through it. Now, all of a sudden, you have people in the audience looking at you going, oh, okay, he's one of us. I think that that really does add another level of just humanity between yourself and the audience. So there's so much there I want to unpack. The first thing is, yeah, like manufactured authenticity. It's like having that perfect Instagrammable life. Like, here's a selfie of me in front of a thousand people in a room getting ready to speak. No filter. You know, no. I, I, you took 400 different versions of that picture. <laughs> I know. Instead of like, here's a selfie of me being rejected from a speaking gig for the 9,000th time. Right. I mean, I think it's, yeah, the manufacturing of authenticity and being willing to get raw and vulnerable to make that connection. And the other thing is the stories. Like, the I made a million dollars while I was a fetus. And the other story that I have take great umbrage with, love to know how you feel about this one, is 
I was living in my car and now I have a million dollars. Yeah, you have the videos of, uh, I know what it's like to be you as I'm washing my Ferrari in my Facebook Live video with the camera crew uh, running, you know, running four different camera angles. Like there's a level of it that like, you know, you're trying to connect and I get it. You're successful and that's great. What I love to see is when somebody is willing to put that success aside and just be like, look, here are the scars. And not only have I, I've had that monetary success, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And it's created a whole new series of challenges. Instead of saying like, now all my problems are gone. I, you know, I, I created this course and now everything is just rosy. We all know that it's just not true. So yeah, it's really coming from that place of letting it all hang out and just being who you are and not apologizing for it. Like, I'm a screwed up human being and so are you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not even not apologizing for it, but really embracing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I first started my blog, I started writing about search engine optimization, which is really what the world needed at the time, another (laughs) SEO blog. (laughs) You know, I'd have two or three readers and like I was at least, two of them. Maybe my wife every now and then read it also, you know, just as a favor. I then was in a weird place and I wrote something that was very personal because everybody kept asking me, how did I go from uh, being a musician to going into marketing? Yeah. So I told the story and it was a very vulnerable story. I just turned it into a blog post and just, here, stop asking me. This is how it happened. That got the most shares and the most feedback and the most comments and private emails that, of anything I had written at the time. And it was because it was real. Like it was painful to write. By the time I was done writing this post, it was exhausted. Yeah. So, and then that's when you know it's really right. Then to get up on a stage and actually give that talk or talk to people about it, like you can't hide that feeling. You can't hide that pain. Like it comes out. You may not be bawling on stage, Mm -hmm. but, but it does show up. And when people can feel that, that's authenticity. You have that little waver in your voice and people are like, oh my God, like, I think he's going to break down again. You don't want to go that far. But when people get a sense of that, there is a whole new level of respect and connection and humanity. I want to be there for you. I want, you know, I, I want to support you as you're telling me this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just absolutely love, and there's just so much value there. What I've noticed a few years ago, I was giving a speech about loneliness and when I was living in Hawaii and I was totally isolated and didn't really have that many friends and it was terrible and having a breakdown in the grocery store, the Japanese grocery store, and I didn't know how I ended up there. <laughs> <laughs> and I would remember people would come up to me and be like, wow, your story reminds me of this time that I insert story here. And it was like, oh, this is our common connection. This is making an impact. This is making them think about how it's okay to talk about your loneliness in a really raw and vulnerable way. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're a human being and you're not just some talking head on a stage. So how are you bringing this to the stage? Like when you're thinking about giving a talk, because I know you have a popular talk called Be a Dick, <laughs> which I think is the best title ever <laughs> for a talk. But how are you bringing that to the speaking stage with you? And what do you think that does for you? The be a dick talk, it started off in a very similar way. I I used to live in New Jersey, was having a really hard time. It was, I would venture to say that I was having a midlife crisis 
I've always had this idea that I wanted to do something extraordinary with my life and make a mm-hmm. difference, change the world, all that kind of big grandiose stuff. And here I was 41 years old. I had let my younger self down. Like I had, you know, I accomplished a lot of great things, but they were for me, like it was my own selfish accomplishments and not so much what I had done for the greater good. The best way to resolve the issue at the time was to run away. And so, so I packed my family up. We pulled the kids out of school. We moved 1,200 miles away to Tampa, Florida from New Jersey. And it was there that on that within an hour or two of moving into this new house and having, you know, like if you thought it was bad when I lived in New Jersey, like now I walked into the, you know, walked into this new house. But then what the hell have I just done? What was I thinking? I sold the house. I pulled the kids out of school. And now you know, I live in Tampa. I didn't even know anybody in Tampa. Like, you know, the weather is nice and there's a beach nearby, but that's about all I got, you know. And so I'm in mid panic attack and I, I need to go for a walk. And then that's when I met my neighbor, Dick. And he's just this extraordinary guy. Kind of took me under his wing and unbeknownst to him, became a mentor of mine for about a mm-hmm. year. I wrote a blog post about it and, it and it went viral and I was like, wow, I'm really onto something. So I'm going to do nothing about it because like I've, <laughs> I've struck a nerve. So I'm just going to walk away from it and, and do nothing. I guess a couple months later, people kept asking about it. it just kept drawing more and more traffic that I, I wanted to do a talk and I really wanted to do a talk at Inbound, which was... Um, Officially, I wanted a TED talk, but I was like, I've only spoken on stage half a dozen times. There's no way mm-hmm. like Ted is going to be like, yeah, sure, come on in. Look about Dick. You know, like, like, that, like that, was, <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. I wanted to speak at Inbound. It was, you know, 15,000 people show up to this event, and it's in my industry because I'm still in the SEO industry. It's in Boston, my old stomping grounds when I was in college. I really wanted to do that. So that was my goal. I ended up doing the talk there, and it just it kind of blew up from there. Tell the story, before we move on, tell the story of how you landed that talk. Because it's not like you just applied and like crossed your fingers. You were fairly tenacious, I would say, in going after that speech. I feel like there should be like the disclaimer on the screen right now. Like, kids, don't try this at home. Like, (laughs) I don't want to ruin your audience, get a bunch of people in trouble. Like I said, I only spoke about a half a dozen times. I spoke for score and like the local rotary. Like, like that was the, the extent of my speaking experience. I joined a Toastmasters meeting, but I stopped going because it was boring. It was, it was part boring and part like I just couldn't afford it because it was like 25 cents every time I said, um, it was like costing me way too much to go to this thing. So I show up, at, at, I get offered this gig to speak in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at a marketing conference by a friend of mine that I knew from Twitter. And we'd never met in person, but we got along really well on Twitter and, and we you know, became good friends. And so I was like, great. Yeah, of course, I'll take it. It was a paid speaking gig. Doesn't pay that much, but I was like, it's more than the zero I normally get. So sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll cover your flight and your, and your hotel. And that sounded amazing. And so I signed up. Better yet, Gary V was, the, uh, was one of the keynotes and Scott Stratton was the other. And oh, wow. oh my God, like, so I get to, you know, I'll get to hang out with them, meet them and, and a bunch of other speakers that I really wanted to meet. So I had it all figured out. And then I looked on a map and I realized that Halifax is in Canada. I am now an international speaker. I mean, these are things that are going through my head. I'm like, cause I have no other experience. I don't have a sizzle reel. I don't have a video. Mm-hmm. Like the video I did have was like, my wife took a camcorder at the, you know, at some weird talk I did for eight people. I mean, it was not impressive. You know, it ends up that the last minute the gig gets canceled because they can't, they have to cut the budget and I had to go. 
I was like, did you mm. cut Gary V or, or like Scott Stratton? Like, well, no, we didn't cut, <laughs> we didn't cut that side of the budget. We cut the, the budget of the, who is he? We cut the, who is he budget. So I ended up showing, going, well, I'll do it for free. Just cover the flight in the hotel. I'll do it for free. And so they said, okay, that's probably a bad idea. I guess. I don't know. I mean, you know, speak for free or whatever, but I saw this as international Gary V Scott Stratton. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that's, that's my, my thought process. I get there. I end up, there's somebody there from inbound that's speaking and she was awesome. Like her talk was great. And I was like, Oh my God, that's, this is my in to speak at inbound. I do my talk in the morning and I'm sitting in the green room waiting for somebody, you know, cause I just want to meet people and it's around 12 o'clock and she comes running the door all harried. And she goes, I need somebody to drive me to the airport because my flight's leaving in two hours. So some guy's like, yeah, I'll take you. One of the people on the crew. And I was like, Oh, can I hit your ride? Because my flight's leaving at the same time. Now my flight was leaving in like eight hours. <laughs> like I figured this is like an opportunity to maybe I can come back. I don't know, but, but I'm going to go, I'm going to hitch a ride to the airport, get stuck in a car with her for 45 minutes and just talk about it. And so they give us our little speaker giveaway bags. We go to the airport and we get stopped at security and we're talking now. We're just building rapport and talking and, and we get stopped at security because apparently in the giveaway bags was a bottle of wine and we couldn't bring wine, uh, I guess from Canada to mm-hmm. you know the States. She's like, I still got 45 minutes. So I was like, I have eight hours, but she doesn't know that. So I was like, yeah, I got about an hour or two. Like I got a little time. So we went to Starbucks, grabbed a couple of Starbucks cups, broke open the wine, and we just sat there drinking the wine out of Starbucks cups, you know, <laughs> just talking. I wasn't selling her anything. I was just being a friend. Like I, I, you know, she was really, really nice. And it wasn't about me trying to get the gig. It was just about making a friend. Mm-hmm. A couple months later, now I decided I want to do the dick talk at Inbound and I reached out and rather than being the, hey, I have this talk called Be a Dick and being hung up on, it was, you know, I really want to speak at Inbound. I'll tell you what, if you bring the Starbucks cups, I'll bring the bottle of wine. So now it kind of jogged the memory of what, mm-hmm. you know, thing that we had. Well, what's your talk about? And then start the conversation. She's like, that's a great. Idea. I love the story. I'd love to have you do it. That's how it happened. And I bypassed the initial application process because I made a friend. It was a six-month investment. It didn't happen just because Mm -hmm. I sold her by the time she got on the plane. You know, it was over time that, that I built that. So there's so many great takeaways for speakers in that story. Number one, always drink wine out of Starbucks cups. I think that's number. Gives it a little... A little more flavor. <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm always touting that relationships come first because people always ask, well, how do I land more speaking gigs? And I'm like, how do you build your relationships? That right. is going to be the key to opening those doors because if they know of you and they think of you as a friend or somebody who is supportive or supportive of their organization, they're way more likely to be open to having that conversation where you get to sit down and say, this is what I'm about. And this is the story about being a dick that I want to share (laughs) with people. So I love the fact that you had this focus on relationship. The second takeaway from that story was the whole speaking for free thing. And normally I am super against speaking for free. I believe speakers (laughs) should get paid, right? But I do think that there are some times when you have to do the cost-benefit analysis of it and think, wow, this might be 
a great place for me to just hang out with some really cool people and who knows who I might get to meet and I'll be an international speaker. Yay. (laughs) But if there is some benefit that you can find in going, then I think it's worth it. For me, one of the rebel speakers in the Facebook group got invited to speak at a fortune 500 company for exposure. And those weren't her people. She would be doing them a favor. So seeing like, oh, there's this other opportunity. So that's the second thing. Build relationships. If it looks good and can help you, then do it. And then finally, I just love the whole be a dick thing because it's what I call a small moment story. It's like you were out on a walk and this guy was just amazing. And you saw the value in sharing that and how it can make it made a difference to you, but how it can make a difference to other people. Well, now I don't want to lie and pretend for a second that I, you know, at some point I remember waking up in the middle of the night, you know, giddy over the fact that like, what a marketing dream come true. Like his name is Dick. <laughs> like if his name was Frank, I don't know if, I don't know if this would have been a story I would have told anybody. Like, like, I mean, he's, he really is this, you know, amazing person and everything else. But like part of what makes it so catchy is because that's his name and, and he really is this this great guy. He's got the, he's got a dozen Emmys in the, you know, in his, in the closet in his house and you know, always coming by with gifts for the kids. And, and he's just that guy. Like, you know, he's just mm-hmm. a great person. The funny thing with this, with the speaking for free thing, the way that I see it, which I think is a really cool way to look at it. I see every possible gig as it's a paid gig. Like everything I've ever spoken at or done has always been a paid gig. It's just some pay money and some don't. Now, this was a gig that was a paid gig. It just didn't pay money. And then it becomes an issue of like, well, you know, is that payment that I would like? Like, you know, it's like kind of mm-hmm. that barter system, you know, back in the day, a million years ago, they used to trade chickens for pigs. It's kind of the same thing where I'm getting paid and I'm not getting paid just, you know, like exposure is one thing. Like that's so overdone that that's mm-hmm. not- you know, like that's not payment anymore. You're going to meet certain people or there's going to be a certain opportunity or you get to go to the conference for free. Then it becomes a question of like, does it pay enough that I want to do it? For example, like you do that gig for the Fortune 500 companies. Now, if that's my ideal client, that gig pays enough for me to do because I'll mm-hmm. probably walk away with a couple of clients. If it's not my ideal client, the gig doesn't pay enough Yeah, because there's no opportunity. So then I turn it down. So money isn't always the determining factor for me as far as, well, I would, do I want to do the gig or not? How much does it pay? Mm-hmm. It's money-wise. It's how much does it pay? Like, what can I turn this into? Sometimes it's just a vacation. Like, man, I would love to go you know, to LA for a couple of days. Yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then I get a vacation out of it. Like, sometimes that's the payment enough. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's opportunity. Yeah. But I always look at it because there's always an amount that you're willing to take. But also the amount that you're not willing to take. And I think it's about having those boundaries. Because I know for me, like, I've taken gigs that were at a reduced fee because I got to go to Austin and hang out with a friend of mine for a couple of days. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's what I want to do. So, of course, I'm going to do that. But then there's been times where I'm just like, oh, like, it's almost like a sinking feeling when someone offers you something and you're just like, "Mm, I don't the pay just isn't enough, whether that's money or whatever else, you know, getting the opportunity to network with people that you would love to work with, whatever it is. It's just like that sinking feeling of like, Oh, Oh, there's a lot of exposure and a lot of new stuff coming in uh, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Like, like you should be here. Like, Oh, cold. I don't want to go. I always had this thought that, you know, you never fire a client. You just raise the price to a point where it's 
feasible because you know, like you have this nightmare client. It's like, well, I don't want to work with them ever again. Well, what if they give you a million bucks a month? Well, yeah, okay. I could do that. So there is a price that you're willing to take in order to deal with the headache or whatever it is. Like if you look at it and go, like, Ooh, I don't definitely don't want to do that. The price isn't high enough. Mm-hmm. So, and now like that gig in, you know, Kalamazoo, Michigan, if they said, you know, we need you up there for 45 minutes, going to pay a hundred grand. You'd be like, it's not that cold. You know, I can pick up some gloves. <laughs> we can make this work. You know, I, I've got, I've got some Uggs and a North face jacket. I'm good to go. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. So one final question, because we've talked about the be a dick talk. Were you ever worried that people were going to be offended? Because I know I get this question a lot. Like if I'm too edgy, I will offend people. Were you ever worried about that? Yeah. I mean, it's horribly offensive. You know, you're walking around calling people uh, a dick, but like the fun thing is like, when I did the inbound talk, the first thing I saw when I got up on stage and I was like standing room only, like everybody showed up to this thing because people showed up, like half the rooms to, you know, were there with their torches. They were ready to burn the place down because I was bringing this negativity to the conference. And then the other half were just like, yeah, we want to make fun of some people. So let's go to that thing. Learn how we can make fun of people. And, <laughs> and so I was standing in front of a room for half a room with their arms folded. Like they're angry. Like they didn't want the message. And then seeing that transition as you're doing the talk when within the first four minutes, three to four minutes, you realize that this isn't what you thought it was going to be. And there's something that's really awesome about that moment. It's so energizing. It's so cool. Look, if people don't want to listen to the message, then okay, I get it. Like it's Mm -hmm. not for everybody. Yeah. And so when I did the talk, I actually wore a shirt that said, my name is Mark and I'm a dick. And it was this bright orange shirt that said, my name is Mark and I'm a dick. I wore it all day. And so that day, Simon Sinek was doing a book signing because he was speaking at the conference also. Might even have a picture of him because I had a friend of mine take a picture. He's signing the book and he looks up and he's looking at my shirt and he's like, you're a dick? And I was like, yeah. He goes, Okay. And he just kind of like had this really frightened, like, you know, and, I, and I'm sitting there like, maybe the shirt's a bad idea. Like the shirt might be too much. <laughs> not having the chance to like, you know, clean it up and tell somebody what it actually really means. It's not so, what you think. Right. <laughs> like in parentheses. It's such a great title because it builds the curiosity. Like people are like, oh, I wonder what this guy's going to talk about. And oh, I'm really angry. And that moment of transformation when they're like, oh, wait, this is not what I thought. And this is super cool. And this is such a a great message is so powerful for people being the rebel speaker for me about having that idea that yeah some people are going to be angry at mm-hmm. you for but if they actually take the time to listen they can be transformed and they're going to remember it in a right. way they're probably not going to remember other talks and you, got, you have to you know, recognize that you're just not going to be all things to all people. There are speakers out there, traditional speakers, that just are not going to listen to your podcast because the Rebel Speaker podcast is just not for me. And that's good. That's what you want. That you, yeah. you don't want a community full of where you have to tiptoe and walk on eggshells in order to appease everybody. And I'm always trying to get that across to people. It repels the people who shouldn't be in your tribe. Right. Like those people that are not a good fit for you, if they hear your message and they're like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who didn't go see your talk because of the title. That's cool because they're not your people. And if your message can do that, if it can weed out like who are your people, 
versus who should just go away anyway, then that's (laughs) essentially a good thing as a business owner. Well, Mark, this is such a pleasure. Tell us where people can find you and how to learn more about what you and Loudmouse do. Sure. So, uh, well, the company website is loudmouse.com. And it's mouse, not mouth. Like every uh, every now and then, people go like loud mouth. I'm like, what are you trying to say? Yes. Like no, loud <laughs> let, mouth, let, like the animal. <laughs> right. So that's the company website. We're an authority marketing company. We specialize in speakers, authors, coaches, entrepreneurs, people that really want to change the, you know, like kind of amplify their message and really make a difference out in the world. I have a blog, markensign.com. It's m-a-r-c-e-n-s-i-g-n.com. Soon to have a podcast called Be a Dick. I can't wait to hear your Be a Dick <laughs> podcast, Mark. Thank it's, you. <laughs> it's going to be for adults only, apparently, because like I'm sure it's going to get blocked by iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your insight on authenticity and standing out and making a difference. It's appreciated. And Rebels, stand out. Say something edgy. Be a dick the way Mark <laughs> defines it. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for listening to the Rebel Speaker Podcast. If you're loving this show, please rate and review it on iTunes. It is the best way for speakers like you to find out about us. And you can learn more about Communication Rebels coaching and consulting services that help business owners and speakers make a bigger impact with their message while building a speaking business on their own terms at drmichellemazur.com.